0: You're listening to Fresh Take. You are listening to the Fresh Take Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, all you wonderful, wonderful F1 fans out there. Thank you again for joining me for another brand new episode. If you're hearing my voice, you know what that means. It can only mean two things. One, my name is Kelsey, and two, you are listening to the newest episode of F101. All right, we're starting off with our Hot Topics. I am very, very excited. You can hear it in my voice. Two really, really important things, third to come at the very end. One, if you are an F1 fan, even if you're a casual F1 fan, if you have Netflix, you absolutely know what is coming out and what has come out by the time this recording reaches your ears. Drive to Survive is back. Season five. Thank God. I love this series. Oh, my God. I love it. It's in the documentary series, or section of Netflix. God, I don't agree with that. It's a documentary, but it's not. Gunter Steiner describes it the best. Or not, it's not Gunter Steiner. It's Total Wolf describes it the best as, it's not a documentary, it's Top Gun on Wheels. And I totally agree with you with that. If you can sift through... The made for TV drama that is added to the series, and it's, it's pretty plain to see when they add drama to it. There's some instances in the new season, and I'm almost done it already, and it's only come out like maybe, you know, two days ago. I'm almost done the series already, but you can tell, and from previous seasons, when they add drama, the smallest thing, they, they add the dramatic music, they add the voiceover, they bring in Will Buxton to make it sound way more intense than it is. But my favorite part of it is just rewatching the races throughout the season and seeing the genuine driver interactions and their expressions and their emotions after wins, losses, defeats, close wins, just working past their demons, getting better, figuring out how not to become worse, all that kind of stuff. I absolutely, I absolutely love this series. Some people are getting tired of the platform, which is fair. Um. If you love racing at the face value of it, you will absolutely love Drive to Survive, especially season five. If you're looking for something super in-depth and super intellectual and, oh my god, I wonder what he was thinking here, thinking there, Drive to Survive, all five seasons, definitely not for you. But I was up when it first came out. Season five premiered in North America, and we're talking like 2 a.m. I was up. I watched it way too early or way too late, depending on how you want to look at it to watch it. But I just, I love it that much. I'm super excited that it means one of two things. One, that season testing and team testing is either on or it's over. And that means that we are less than a week away from the beginning of the season. And that leads me into my second topic for the hot topics today. And it is the team testing is officially done. And it was fantastic to see. Some people are complaining, yes, it's broadcasted on F1 TV. And it's, I think it's two sessions of four hours. So there's a morning session and an afternoon session in Bahrain. So you got like a daytime race, a daytime testing, and you got nighttime testing. The reason they do this is because the temperatures fluctuate so much during the day to early evening that it's the perfect time to test the tires. It's the perfect time to test how the engine performs in Warm temperatures, less temperatures. Um, They don't add any water to the track. So they don't generally get a time or they don't get a whole lot of testing for the new wet tires. That generally comes with the breakdown per team when they test it. So McLaren, uh, Mercedes, all the English-based teams, they'll go to like Silverstone. They'll do their laps. They'll do their research. And then they'll flood the track. They'll get it wet. And then they'll try the tires out. Because not only do the teams need to have time to work on their cars and tweak things here and there but pirelli also has the requirements that every team needs to run their tires to improve their product as well pirelli this year has come out with a brand new full what they're calling extreme wet weather tire uh and the only reason why they've done that is because their wet weather tire that they have is an absolute piece of garbage They admitted in the 2022 season that they hardly put any research into wet weather tires because they only use them, you know, once every 18, 19 races. Unless you do last season where Japan was absolutely flooded. They needed the full wet tires, but none of the teams wanted to use it because they had never used it before. And the teams that had used it before said it was absolute fucking garbage. So why use it? I'm glad Pirelli took that to heart. And they developed a new extreme wet weather tire. Now we'll see how it actually works. We'll see how many races get rain this year. But it was nice to see these guys. And it was amazing to see the actual uh, car specs for majority of the teams. Now some teams still had a few pieces here and there that they know work. And they didn't put on the cars. But they did sandbag some of the testing. They are going hard. They are putting the laps in. And we're talking like triple digit laps for some of these drivers, for some of the teams, a lot of the teams hit well over hundred laps. They're putting the time in, but they're not going as if it's the final race and that specific driver can win the championship if they get the best lap. They're not really pushing each other uh, that hard. It's a lot of individual racing, but it's a lot of team racing at the same time where all 20 cars would or 10 cars would line up and they would do a practice start. So the lights would come on, one two three four five lights out away they go they would practice their starts then they would practice yellow flag speeds caution uh, caution flag speeds to an extent where they would practice okay it's a red flag you need to turn the car off for I think it's like five six minutes because somebody crashed or weather or whatever the case may be and then they start the cars up again making sure the battery's holding charges and that the engine start it's a lot of technical car enthusiast kind of stuff. And I've read on Twitter and I've seen across social media that a lot of people were saying, like, why are you broadcasting this? This is so boring. Well, there's a simple fix to that. Don't fucking watch it. If you find testing boring, don't fucking watch it. There is commentary and it's awesome commentary because it's a little bit extra to listen to. It's a little piece of information here and there that you may not ever hear from any of the engineers, any of the team principals, any of the announcers during the regular race season. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love watching these cars go around and there's a lot of things that you pick up. Like for instance, if you watched any of it or you've seen pictures on social media, you'll notice some of the cars have a ton of green paint on it. No, they didn't run over a spray can. Uh, No, they didn't run over little goblins. What that paint does is they sprayed on certain parts of the car and as they go around it catches the airflow and it shows the engineers and anybody who needs to know where the air is going around the car and the streak from what I've been able to figure out the streakier it is, the better because then you can see the air pull that paint around the car. You can see the flow. What you don't want to see is puddles of paint just sit and dry in specific spots of the car. This is telling the engineers that, hey, the air is not flowing over this spot properly. We've got a dead spot. This is is it's important now because the engineers and the manufacturers need to know this but this is more of the evolution that you're going to see halfway through the season where you see some of these drivers and some of these cars or the drivers will have cars that sometimes will look a little bit different and sometimes these teams will look drastically different because of these of this testing first thing hey the the paint is not moving in spots A, B, and F. So then halfway through the season, you're going to see the car change where they've addressed issues A, B, and F for wind airflow. And then all of a sudden, you might see some of the lower level teams or even any of the teams on the grid, they start to get faster, they start to improve their times, and they get more points. That's what this testing is for. That's what that paint is for. Plus, it looks pretty cool. I think you could see, I could see McLaren or Alfa Romeo, Using that green as just a color scheme, just making it kind of fun and funky for halfway through the season. It's also a really good proving ground to some of the drivers that didn't get a whole lot of driving time last year. And especially this year, we've got three rookies on the grid. This is definitely giving them the most opportune time to get in as many laps as they can possibly withstand to learn the car modify the car to it's like hey this is not a formula 2 car anymore you're in formula 1 this is how fast these things go this is how you have to handle this is how you have to deal with understeer oversteer um you know breaking too hard not breaking enough the reliability how fast are your reactions when this happens when that happens this is what an actual race feels like all that kind of stuff that welcome to the pros essentially is what this is it's three days of this is what it's like to be a pro. You have a week to get your shit figured out, and then it's the first race of the year. Props to the rookies that went out this year, uh, especially Logan Sargent. He is the new rookie driver for Williams. He is was one of those guys we rep- I reported on that. Is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? Does he have enough points on his super license? Uh, the FIA is thinking of changing the rules to get him in, all that kind of stuff, because essentially who... Logan Sargent is, he is, if he does well, he is the gateway to the U.S. North American market in Formula One 100%. There's so much pressure on him to do well. Now, he's in a Williams, which means if he finishes in the top 15, that's ecstatic. One, because he's new, and two, because it's a Williams. Let's let's be honest here. Williams has not exactly been blowing the opposition out of the water, but Of the rookies, as far as I've been able to tell, and I've watched majority of the testing, he has done more laps than any other rookie this preseason. He's actually shown up to play. He knows what it means to be an American driver in Formula One. He understands the pressure. He also understands how lucky he is to have actually made it to Formula One. He's not my odds on favorite to be you know, the number one rookie this year. For me, that's going to be Nick DeVries. Just for how dominant he was in F2, how much practice time he's gotten in compared to the rest of the rookie drivers as a third driver. I mean, he's been a replacement driver for I believe it's a year or two now, so he's definitely got the feel of, albeit older Formula 1 cars, he still has that feel of a professional car underneath him. But they're putting in laps. They are figuring out what they need to do. It's, it's ridiculously exciting to watch because when you see all three rookies on the same testing day, for me personally, that's who I'm watching. I don't really care about Alonzo. I don't really care about Checo. I'm not, you know, oh my God, watching every single wheel rotation of those guys' cars. I'm watching the rookies to see how they're going to do. I want them to do well. I really do. I don't want them to be like, oh yeah, you're a rookie, you're last, you're not going to finish at all. I don't want to see them do essentially what Mick Schumacher did, and it's not live up to the expectations of the team that you're in. Mick had a horrible rookie year, and the year after that, which is why now he's a reserve driver for Mercedes. I mean, it's not really, in my opinion, not really a down step. You're in Mercedes, yeah, you're a reserve driver, but you're going to get more experience with Mercedes as a reserve, as you ever did with Haas, but I want these guys to succeed It's only going to help Formula 1. And it's only going to help their careers. Speaking of Mercedes. They. I'm a. Now don't forget. I'm a Red Bull fan. I love the team. But. Taking out the fact that they had an electrical issue. With. George Russell's. I think 6th lap on the first time he went out. That car. Is. A beast. I said it when we saw it. On the reveal. That car is going to give Red Bull and Ferrari a run for their money. It's going to be those three teams for the top three again. Okay, I'm saying that now. But the difference between these three teams is not going to be as significant as it was in the 2022 season. Everybody's got a place to learn. Everyone's had time to learn. Everyone's made modifications to their vehicle. What I think is is that Ferrari and Mercedes have done more evolutionary changes to their car for the better than Red Bull has. I think, especially seeing them on the track, the cars look great. They look amazing. Not nearly as much porpoising this year as there was last year. Now, for those of you who miss what the porpoising is, or miss the misunderstand or missed the explanation of what porpoising is, it's essentially the bouncing up and down. So they call it porpoising because if you watch porpoise swim. It's that up and down, it's that undular motion, which is essentially what these cars were doing. On the straight stretches, they were going, they were so low that they were gaining air pressure and downforce, which sucks them to the track, but they were also losing it at the same time. So they were just bouncing up and down and there was no other team besides Mercedes that bitch whined and moaned more than them. So it looks like they've got that 100% under control. Lewis Hamilton looks like everyone is nothing to him the way he drives. That he is determined. He's refocused and he truly believes, as does Mercedes, that Lewis will win his 8th championship this year. In my opinion, do I think he's going to win his 8th championship this year? You guys are going to have to find out on my year in review episode first. The only team that I also think is going to make massive steps is Aston Martin. They look absolutely amazing. They've got Fernando Alonso this year. They've got Lance Stroll. Uh, they've got uh, Felipe Drogovic, who won the 2022 formula two as their reserve driver. Um, he won F2 last year reports came in that Lance Stroll was doing some practice stuff. They never really said what he was doing, but he did get some minor injuries. I do believe that he was doing some stuff on the track in the Aston Martin. I think from what I've been able to tell, uh, he did get a couple of injuries. There was a little bit of a crash and they let it seem like, oh, he's going to be okay. He's going to make the race next week. Well, it turns out that Lance Stroll broke both of his wrists. Kind of important to drive. You need your hands. You need your wrists. So they announced this Wednesday night. So now all of a sudden you've got three days. So now everyone was talking about Fernando Alonso is going to take all the research time because he's the number one driver. And who are they going to bring in? Rumor was around that they were going to bring Sebastian Vettel back to potentially drive for one more season or to sub until Lance Stroll came back, uh, was able to drive and that he was going to help with the testing and all this kind of stuff where Fernando could get his time in and modify and tweak the car the way that he wanted to. That rumor was dead in the water extraordinarily quickly. It floated like a lead balloon. Turns out that the reserve driver, Felipe Drogovic will now be, driving all of the testing to take place instead of Lance Stroll so he's got some serious time and now he's got three days to sit in an F1 car and learn everything to get that time in to do the research which is great which gives Fernando Alonso time to tweak his car like he needs to and now it has also come out that Lance Stroll will not make the first race of the year obviously if you've broken both your wrists you need what four to six weeks for it to heal and then physio on top of that. So he's not making the first race. No matter how bad Aston Martin wants that to not be true. He's not making the first race. So now the reserve driver is all of a sudden driving in a week. You've got one week to get your testing done. To get your seat fitted. Because they're all personal seats. To tweak the car for Aston Martin to change what they need to change. And for you to get your nerves out. And you're driving first race of the year. It would be easier for Drogovic to drive, in my opinion, mentally, I believe, let's say five or six races in. Just because the first race, for us who follow social media and for those of which who, you know, I don't want to say judge, but look deeper into the first race and possibly you need to, that if your car doesn't perform very well, essentially, if you don't win the first weekend out, if you don't qualify in the top five, or first weekend out, that everyone deems your car to be an absolute shitbox. So there's added stress on top of your pro drivers, as is. Now there's extra pressure added to the rookie drivers, as is. Now you've got your reserve driver who has a very limited time in an actual F1 car coming in right off the bat. This is either going to you know what, that's that this is gonna be an unfair statement. It's either gonna make or break Drogovic for the 2023 season. I can't say either way. He was dominant in F2, but this is F one. So we'll see how he does. Aston Martin is either gonna do very well or not at all. And this is where you're gonna rely on Fernando Alonso to be the captain of the ship. You're gonna be, he needs to be that veteran that everybody knows he is. Drogovic is a professional, but still at the same time, there's got to be some massive nerves that he's never experienced before. So I really think that Fernando's going to come in, talk him through it, help him out, and they're just going to see what happens coming opening weekend. And that, folks, is our Hot Topics. Little review, Drive to Survive. If you love something to watch, if you love cars, absolutely. Season 5 has dropped. I recommend watching it. Uh, if you've seen the first four seasons, again, tune into season five. There's even more uh, Gunter Steiner, which you can't not like him. I mean, he's amazing. Max makes a couple of uh, appearances. Definitely high to watch, high on your priority to watch list if you like motorsports. And uh, yeah, preseason testing's done. Everyone's looking strong. And I do believe it's going to be much, much, much closer this season than it was last season. As we continue on with the history of F1 series, the eighth team that we will be covering today is the sister team of Red Bull Racing. You know them as Alpha Atari. Their official name is actually Scuderia Alpha Atari. And for those of you who have been watching and paying attention and following Formula One for longer than three years, they used to be known as Toro Rosso. They were the junior team of Red Bull Racing back in the day. Their team base is in Italy. Their team principal is Franz Tost and their founder is Dietrich Mateschitz. The racers that they will be putting on the grid for the 2023 season is number 22, Yuki Sonoda, and then the new, in my opinion, rookie sensation number 21, Nick DeVries, and their engine supplier is Honda. So their first race was in 2020 in the Austrian Grand Prix. They have 61 entered races, and they have 60 started races. Constructors and Drivers' Championships are zero across the board. They've only won one race. They've got two podiums zero pole positions now when i say pole positions for those of you who don't know that means when you're on pole position you start the race in first place that is your pole position they have one fastest lap to date the team has 284 points and in the 2022 season they finished ninth in the constructor series so we start the history of Alpha atari in 2020. yes they are one of the i think they are the most recent team to be added to the grid now when i say added to the grid Like I had said before, they used to be the Red Bull junior team, Toro Rosso, but they had done so well and they had a string of victories and they had, you know, just all around great success that founder Dietrich Mateschitz decided that no longer will they be the junior team to Red Bull, they will be the sister team of Red Bull. So what that means is that they're no longer supplying Red Bull with drivers and parts as much as they would before that they would be their own standalone team that would develop their own technology, drivers, and so on and so forth. So 2020 comes around, Toro Rosso is no more, Alpha Atari comes on the scene, and they're consistent. So they've had the same engine supplier, I know it's only 2020, but they've had the same engine supplier since 2018, and that's Honda Engines. A lot of teams never stuck with Honda as long as Red Bull and Alpha Atari have. They really let... Honda developed the engine the way they saw fit. And you've seen, you know, the the details in that. They've won a ton of victories. It's super consistent. It's not very often that you see a Honda engine in the modern era of Formula One breakdown due to technical issues or, you know, parts here and there or an engine blowout for that matter. Um, if you don't know what an engine blowout is, it's essentially they're driving around and it's a big poof of blue smoke and you're done for the day. The engine's kind of blowing up or a part of the engine has blown up. In that inaugural year in 2020, they got their very first win of the Italian Grand Prix, and that would be Pierre Gasly. And he set a little bit of history. Pierre Gasly was the first French driver since 1996 in Monaco to win a race in Formula One. They finished that inaugural season with 107 points. Gasly gets 75 of those points. Daniel Criette, who was the number one driver for Toro Rosso, followed the team as they became Alfred He got 32 points and they finished 7th in the constructor Series. 2021 was a very consistent season for the team. Uh, Daniel Kriat's contract was up and he opted not to come back. And that's when they brought in uh, Yuki, the rookie. You know, some people had really high hopes on him. Some of them called him the rookie sensation Yuki Tsunoda. They got one podium that season in Azerbaijan. They got third. They finished the season 6th in the constructor Series with 142 points. Now, that may seem like you only went up a little bit and you got almost double the points. But when you look at the breakdown of the season, it was extraordinarily lopsided. Now, that being said, I don't want to put too much pressure on or make excuses for the fact that Yuki Tsunoda was a rookie and he comes in, he's driving for the sister team of Red Bull. There's already a lot of pressure on him. But out of the 142 points, I think Yuki Tsunoda only contributed like 12 points out of that season. Pierre Gasly just absolutely dominated and destroyed that season in the car. But one of the major, you know, strengths that Alfred Atari have that go along with the Red Bull racing line is that they are extraordinarily consistent. This was the one season that they only didn't start one fin or didn't start one race. That was Yuki Sonoda, and it was the second race out of the year. So super consistent. They had only 3 DNF, or no, 6 DNFs out of the entire season, 18 races, they only didn't finish 12 of them, which is a fantastic stat for them. And it really set them on a really good path for the 2022 season. Uh, 2022 comes along, they've got a new engine supplier, but they don't at the same time. So 2022 comes along and Honda is officially done with Formula 1 again. This has got to be the unteamed time for however many Teams that they've, you know, been partnered up with, uh, Formula One is moving in the right direction of sustainability and cleaner engines, just not fast enough for Honda. So Honda decides to terminate their contract for the or decides not to sign a new contract with Red Bull, and then which means they're not signing a new contract with atari But what happens is is that Red Bull comes along, they make a deal, and they essentially buy the blueprints to the engine that they won the championship with, as well as A bunch of employees that had worked with Honda agreed to stay on with Red Bull. So a Red Bull kind of officially, unofficially becomes their own engine provider for themselves and for AlphaTauri. The only confusing thing is that they didn't really do a whole lot to the engine. They just kind of copy and pasted the engine from the 2021 season to 2022 season. And it kind of of showed for what they tweaked with, kind of screwed over both teams. AlphaTauri in 2022. They finished ninth in the Constructors Championships. They only got 35 points and I mean it's eight retirements out of the entire season. Yes, it was 22 races. They didn't finish eight of them or eight of them, but they just didn't have the consistency in the engine performance, which a lot of the retirements were because of the engine components and the tweaking that Red Bull had done. And then a lot of them as well, they developed a car that just it looked good. The livery looks fantastic. It looked fast with the rest of the new cars on the grid, because don't forget, 2022, new regulations, new car shapes. They decided to break away from the Red Bull blueprint, I think, a little bit too much, just because the RB18 that Red Bull had was just so dominant in the 2022 season that the direction that Alfa Tari decided to go, They're going to be their own team, which is fine and dandy. You have to learn. That's how you grow as a team. But they went too far from where Red Bull went and they just they plummeted down the standings. They didn't have the space. They didn't have the pace. Uh taking away the eight retirements that they had out of a 22 race season. They just didn't have the pace that the rest of the teams had, obviously finishing in ninth. And that's kind of where their season ends. Um they take great strides forward. They're definitely going to learn what they did in the 2023 season, which didn't help them one bit. But I think they're headed in the right direction, especially with the signing of Nick DeVries as Pierre Gasly goes to Alpine. Now, I think for Pierre, it was the best move. I think for Alfred Tari, it was the best move they could possibly have done. And the only reason why I say that, and I have to choose my words carefully here, is that, Red Bull does have a training program. They do have what they call the Red Bull Academy. And part of that is you go from F3 to F2, and then you go from F2 to F1. Now, you don't, unless you're Max Verstappen, you don't go straight to Red Bull. Unless you have some massive victories and you are the phenom of Formula 2, you never go to Red Bull itself. You go to Alpha Atari, which, like I said before, is their sister team. They do pull their drivers from there, but not as much as they did back in the day, as Toro Rosso. But at the same time, if you get a chance from AlphaTauri to go to Red Bull, you have to perform right off the hop. And Pierre Gasly is the quintessential um, study case for this. He got a couple races. He got like a half a season in Red Bull. He didn't perform, and then he got kicked down back to Toro or to AlphaTauri, and that's where he stayed. And there's no real, I mean, it's a proving ground to a certain extent, but you don't grow in Alfratari. So by that, bringing in Nick DeVries is great. He, in my opinion, is going to be the rookie phenom of 2023. I do believe he's going to do the best out of all the rookies that are driving. Um, but I don't, I don't see him in tari very long. He's got a two-year, three-year contract, I do believe. I think he's either going to make it to Red Bull by the time his second season comes around. And here's my hot topic, or here's my hot take, and a lot of you F1 fans out there may disagree with me, but if Nick DeVries is as good as he is, and as good as he says he is, and as good as we think he is, he will be replacing Checo by the 2024, if not 2025 season when his contract is up. I see the lineup in Red Bull being Max Verstappen, because he's around for forever, or till forever, and then Nick DeVries. Now, if Nick doesn't perform, I think he's going to be stuck in the, the evolutionary and training hell that is Alpha Atari. He's going to stay there as long as we did. He's going to get frustrated. And he's going to go somewhere else. That's the, only, that's the only downfall I see with Alpha Atari moving forward. Yes, they don't have a super long history in Formula One, just 2020 till now. So we're coming into their third year. But it seems like once you're in Alpha Atari, unless you are amazing and you can prove your worth, you're stuck in that same spot year after year after year. They don't have the money Red Bull does to do their development. And if they do, it doesn't seem to do very well. Now, the only reason why I'm using that as a comparison is because the old car in 2021 sixth in the constructors, 142 points. That's great. You get the new car like everybody else. Then all of a sudden you drop to ninth with only 35 points. It can't just all be the drivers. It can't just all be the Red Bull engine, even though I do think that's the majority of it. But they seem to have stagnated when it comes to their innovation. So hopefully 2021, three it's going to be easier for them uh, they'll be climbing up the status ladder a little bit more they'll win more races i really really hope other than that they're going to be stuck in limbo kind of in that middle grid yuki Tsunoda, i think it's a make or break season for him um he's either going to be awesome in for atari he's he either grew up calmed down and learned how to drive the car better. Or he's going to be done after this season, and then Nick DeVries will have a new uh, driving partner next season. But they are still a solid team. They do have amazing potential. Um, they just need to go back to need to go back to basics. It's not a new car anymore. Figure out what you did in 2021, like Kriat and Sonoda in 2021, or um, Gasly and Sonoda in 2021. Great points. Figure out what you did back then. Sonoda, what did you do? What could you have done better? What did Gasly do? How consistent were they? Just try to work that in to become a more successful team in the 2023 season. Last but not least, let's cover the car name. So their car name, it's super simple. It's the last year, because it was 2022, it was called the AT02. Now, unlike some teams that like to group in, you know, previous uh, car models from before they changed teams like Toro also had their name and you know Red Bull's got all this and let's say Alpine you know all these guys sometimes they include their history in the naming of the car well Dietrich Mateschitz decided this is not this was not the case this is a new car this is a new team this is a new direction they're going so they made it ridiculously simple and I mean ridiculously simple AT stands for Alpha Atari and this year, because it's the 2023 season, it's the third rendition of this car. They're calling it the 03. So the AT03 for the 2023 season stands for Alpha Atari and is the third rendition of this car. Now, whether they do changes mid-season or that when they improve, all that kind of stuff, they don't change the name. It's not the 03A, not the 03B, CD, so on and so forth like some of the other teams do. They're just going to stick with the AT03. So, there you have it. That is the brief history of the Alpha Atari F1 team, the Scuderia Alpha Atari F1 team. Um, like I said, I see great things coming from them as long as they stay true to form. They've got a great potential in Nick DeVries, Yuki Sonoda. Either he's going to be good or he's going to be gone. So, that's team number eight. That's Scuderia Alpha Atari join me next time when we cover team number nine and it is the historic longest lasting team in formula one we're talking about scuderia ferrari